Welcome. Happy Sunday night. I was thinking as we're singing those songs, what a gift God has given us in our voices and the mechanics of everything, our lungs, our vocal cords, larynx, everything, and how he just designed that for his glory. I mean, no matter what you might think of your voice, he loves to hear our voice. Every single one of us, he loves to hear our voice, and he just uh, adores us more than we know. Um, so let's uh, start in prayer before we get into Genesis 12, and we'll move on after that. So, uh, Father, once again tonight, thank you so much for the privilege to be here, Lord, to worship you, to learn of you. We ask for your presence, Lord. Would you just fill this house? This is your house, a house of prayer, a house of worship, a house built to honor you. Pray, Lord, for relationships to be strengthened here, Lord. Pray, Lord, for pain to go away, whether it's physical, emotional, whatever it is, Lord. You know our very frames. You have designed us in your image, Lord, all in your perfect plan. We just pray, Lord, that the distractions of the world that surrounds us would be shielded from us during this time, Lord. Pray, Lord, that your word would come through forth rightly from me, Lord, that it would be rightly divided. Pray, Lord, that anything that might be set out of turn or might be my opinion, Lord, wouldn't penetrate my brothers' and sisters' hearts, Lord. Pray for anyone watching and listening online, Lord, uh, even in real time or later on, Lord, that your word would just be a blessing to whoever is listening. And Lord, we love you and we know that you care about you or care about us, Lord, and we would like to do the same to care more for you, Lord. Uh, just help us and guide us and lead us to grow in our love for you and to expand our hearts, Lord. Thank you. In your name, Jesus. Amen. Uh, before we get into uh, Genesis 12, I wanted to lead off with um, a promise that Jesus made to the disciples. Um, so the verse is John 14, 2. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. And as we get into Genesis 12 tonight, and actually we'll be going to Genesis 20 for a little bit too, um, we'll just learn of God's promises and the love that he has for us. Another verse um, that stuck out to me um, as a picture of ourselves uh, relating to Abram. He's not yet Abraham. He's Abram in Genesis 12, which means a high father. Um, is a verse, Luke uh, chapter 6, verse 45, 
this kind of sets the tone here, I think, for tonight's um, reading in Genesis 12. So Luke 6, verse 45 says, A good man, out of the good treasure of his heart, bringeth forth that which is good. And an evil man, out of the evil treasure of his heart, bringeth forth that which is evil. For of the abundance of the heart his mouth speaketh. And as Pastor Rob talked about this morning, we're born in sin. And that was already known by God that it was going to happen right from the, the fall in the garden that Adam and Eve both had. Uh, we've now all been born in sin. And he already had a solution. He had Jesus staged and ready to come to earth. And the promises that God began to give Abraham, uh, in fact, the covenant, which is the Abrahamic covenant uh, to, that he gave to Abraham to um, establish a nation, to bring forth seed from Abraham. The main seed from Abraham was Christ, is Christ. And that plan was already set in motion from day one. So we should take comfort. I know in my own way, it's challenging for me to put aside um, all the things that I've been taught, like all the worldly things, my profession, uh, you know, how, how to do things and, and, and rules and, and laws to follow. Well, there's only one thing we need to do, and that's to have faith in Jesus and his shed blood. And He's paid the price for all of us. He loves us so much that he sacrificed himself, knowing full well that there still was a good plan that his father, God, already designed, that he wouldn't, be, uh, he wouldn't perish, that he would still live, and he would live in eternity. And that's the gift that God wants to give to us. And Jesus knew that, and in obedience, he followed his father's lead and came to save us. And praise the Lord, um, if all of us are saved here tonight, um, that's a wonderful gift that he's given us. And if there is anybody that's listening online, watching, or here tonight that isn't saved, please ask one of us here, one of the elders or pastors. We can pray with you. We can talk with you. It's just a gift that is free. You don't need to do anything but believe and trust what he did. So tonight um, in Genesis 12, I, I don't know, I'm a little quirky, so I think back on my childhood and some of my um, upbringing, and there used to be a show on TV called Truth or Consequences. And this, in chapter 12, we'll see that Abram is faced with kind of a truth and a consequence, uh, a heart choice, that he, can, he, he has a choice to make um, that comes out of his heart, and that's why I led uh, with Luke 6.45, because it talks about that. And Abraham says some things that are kind of astonishing. It's kind of truthful, but it's not because he wanted to save his skin. And we'll see that, and we'll read that. Before we get into um, chapter 12, I wanted to go to chapter 20, Genesis 20. Sometimes in the Bible, if you read ahead a little bit, you get more information, you get more clarity on things. So 
I think it might help us if we read Genesis chapter 20 first. So why don't we go there and we'll take a look at that and we'll see. I think you'll understand why I have chosen to go there first. Um, so Genesis chapter 20, verse 1. And Abraham journeyed from there to the south and dwelt between Kadesh and Shur and stayed in Gerar. Now Abraham said of Sarah his wife, she is my sister. And Abimelech king of Gerar sent and took Sarah. But God came to Abimelech in a dream by night and said to him, Indeed, you are a dead man because of the woman whom you have taken, for she is a man's wife. But Abimelech had not come near her, and he said, Lord, will you slay a righteous nation also? Did he not say to me, she is my sister? And she, even she herself said, he is my brother. In the integrity of my heart and innocence of my hands, I have done this. And God said to him in a dream, yes, I know that you did this in the integrity of your heart. For I also withheld you from sinning against me. Therefore, I did not let you touch her. Verse 7. Now, therefore, restore the man's wife, for he is a prophet, and he will pray for you, and you shall live. But if you do not restore her, know that you shall surely die, you and all who are yours. So Abimelech rose early in the morning, called all his servants and told all these things in their hearing, and the men were very much afraid. And Abimelech called Abraham and said to him, What have you done to us? How have I offended you, that you have brought on me and my kingdom a great sin? You have done deeds to me that ought not to be done. Then Abimelech said to Abraham, What did you have in view that you have done this thing? And Abraham said, Because I thought surely the fear of God is not in this place, and they will kill me on account of my wife. But, indeed, she is truly my sister. She is the daughter of my father, but not the daughter of my mother. And she became my wife. And it came to pass, when God caused me to wander from my father's house, that I said to her, This is your kindness that you should do for me. In every place, wherever we go, say of me, he is my brother. Then Abimelech took sheep, oxen, and male and female servants and gave them to Abraham, and he restored Sarah, his wife, to him. And Abimelech said, See, my land is before you. Dwell where it pleases you. Then to Sarah he said, Behold, I have given your brother a thousand pieces of silver, Indeed, this vindicates you before all who are with you and before everybody. Thus she was rebuked. So Abraham prayed to God, and God healed Abimelech, his wife, and his female servants. Then they bore children, for the Lord had closed up all the wombs of the house of Abimelech because of Sarah, Abraham's wife. So this gives a little clarity, um, as we'll see, to some verses in chapter 12. Uh, I, I feel like I'm looking in the mirror. I have choices every day to make, and there are times where I don't even rely on God 
to help me. I'll admit, I, if I pray, it might be a quick couple of words like, Lord, help, instead of pausing and actually relying fully on him and getting settled in front of him um, to ask him, what should I do? Um, sometimes in our own strength, we, we decide on a path without even checking in with the Lord. And it's okay, though, because as we'll see, Abraham, like David, was a man who was um, forgiven and was a man of, uh, in general, he had faith that was great in God, and he relied on God. And that is key. Um, God knows that we're going to falter and that we're going to have uh, stumbling blocks. Some of those stumbling blocks, he likely puts in our plate and in our path just to see what we'll do but he already knows what we're going to do right so as we'll see later um, really the the action that we have is faith and faith in God and now you know we're in the New Testament age we have faith in Jesus Jesus hadn't come yet to Abraham, but we will see here in chapter 12 that Jesus does come to Abraham, which is called the Theophany, and we'll read of that as well. Um, so in our daily lives, we have choices uh, whether to be obedient, whether to follow along with God's word, with the things that he's taught us, the commandments are in the word, and that, that's his guideline to us how to live and how to navigate the, the life that we have right now. So um, there are also some words that we're going to see here in chapter 12. Uh, I wanted to share some definitions. I like doing that. I like looking up words and checking their definitions. Um, the word blessing we'll see here in chapter 12 and it's in verse 2 and that's the first time the word that derivative of bless blessing is used in the bible it's used 89 times this is the first time in genesis 12 verse 2 um, then it's actually used the last time in revelation 7 let's see so blessing, the definition is act of one who blesses, a benediction, a grace, a means of happiness or welfare, a beneficent gift, or a gift. It can be praise, but interestingly enough, as a euphemism, it can be considered a cursing too. Um, in this tense, uh, we're going to look at the positive and consider it a good thing. <laughs> uh, another word that we'll see here is give in this chapter. Um, so giving is actually used a thousand times in the Bible, or a thousand times plus, and it is to bestow without in without expectation for return 
to confer as authority, a favor, to accord as trust, to deliver property in exchange for something, or to discharge a debt, to furnish or serve as to give a drink, to administer, such as in the sacrament, which we do when we take communion, to commit, like as to give a letter, to execute and deliver, as in like a bond, as security. And that gives me a picture of uh, Jesus' blood as our security. He, that is like the bond that, that secures the contract or the covenant. And we'll get to that word um, in a minute here. Let me start with contract. Contract is an agreement, especially one that is legally enforceable between two or more persons to do or forbear something, as in a bargain or covenant. A contract is the written evidence of such an agreement. And then, let's see, covenant. is an agreement between persons or parties, a solemn compact between members of a church to maintain its faith or discipline, and theologically it is defined as the promises of God as revealed in the scriptures. And I'm like, wow, that's great, because that's actually in the dictionary. <laughs> um, so... Uh, the other word is seed, which is likened to offspring um, and, and how to propagate. So let's go to Genesis 12, and we'll read that. So Genesis 12. And this is subtitled in this Bible version that I have as the promises to Abram. So verse 1, Now the Lord had said to Abram, Get out of your country, from your family, and from your father's house, to a land that I will show you. Verse 2, I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great, and you shall be a blessing. Verse 3, I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse him who curses you, and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So, in essence, this is the foundation of the gospel. God all along had a plan that Jesus would come down. He would be born human in the flesh. And this is essentially the seed of the gospel message being given to us right here in what's called the Abrahamic Covenant. So verse 4, so Abraham, I'm sorry, Abram, and let me explain that too. So Abram is defined as a high father, and while Abraham is father of a great multitude. So as God gives the promise, he's still speaking to Abram, who is a father, but as Abraham is blessed, or I'm sorry, as Abram becomes blessed by the Lord's covenant, he will have sons, 
that we'll see later in Genesis. And from there, the nations are all born. But at the moment, Abram doesn't have any children with Sarai, his wife. So verse 4. So Abram departed as the Lord had spoken to him, and Lot went with him. Lot was his nephew, and the name Lot means veil. And Abram was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. Then Abram took Sarai, his wife, and Lot, his brother's son, and all their possessions that they had gathered. So Sarai, that name means contentious. But later on, like Abram, Abram and Sarai become transformed. Abram becomes Abraham, and Sarai becomes Sarah. So Abraham will be the father of a great multitude, and Sarah will be a princess. That's what the, the definition of Sarah is. So verse 5 again. Then Abram took Sarai, his wife, and Lot, his brother's son, and all their possessions that they had gathered, and the people whom they had acquired in Haran, and they departed to go to the land of Canaan. So they came to the land of Canaan. Abram passed through the land to the place of Shechem as far as the terebinth tree of Morah. And terebinth is also a term for oak tree. And the Canaanites were then in the land. So there were already people occupying this land that the Lord was sending Abram to. Verse 7, Then the Lord appeared to Abram and said, To your descendants I will give this land. And there he, meaning Abram, built an altar to the Lord who had appeared to him. So that shows an indication of um, Abram's reverence for God and for the Lord, to build an altar. That's uh, an act of worship and an act of love that um, demonstrates that Abram realized um, it was important for him to, to recognize that the Lord was helping him. So verse 8, And he moved there to the mountain east of Bethel, which means house of God, Bethel. And he pitched his tent with Bethel on the west and Ai on the east. And Ai or Ai is actually uh, a name for heap of ruins, so it's interesting, you have a place that uh, is named Bethel, House of God, which um, strikes up like plentiful, good land, um, clean, clean water, vegetation, whereas uh, in contrast you have Ai. And so again, uh, we read here, there he built an altar to the Lord and called on the name of the Lord. So once again, Abram is being obedient in his heart. He knows the Lord is guiding him and helping him. And as an expression of that, he builds the altar. So verse 9, so Abram journeyed going on still towards the south, which uh, in other translations in the King James, it says Negev or Negeb, which was an area um, near the desert, and it, it in some um, translations, is actually a word used interchangeably with the direction south. So verse 10, 
Now there was a famine in the land, and Abram went down to Egypt to dwell there, for the famine was severe in the land. So immediately it's curious that there's no indication that Abram prayed first before he left and went down to Egypt. So it's kind of interesting. It seems like he's been following that routine, um, you know, worshiping and praising the Lord. And now all of a sudden it's as if, it's as if he has a lapse and it's okay. Um, the Lord knows us. He knows that we're going to get distracted. He knows that we're going to have lapses in judgment. Um, and his hands are always outstretched to us to come to him when we recognize we need his help. He's very quick to forget and to forgive. And we'll see that in a moment. So verse 12, oh, I'm sorry, verse 11. And it came to pass when he was close to entering Egypt that he said to Sarai, his wife, Indeed, I know that you are a woman of beautiful countenance. Therefore, it will happen when the Egyptians see you that they will say, This is his wife, and they will kill me, but they will let you live. So that's the reason I... Oh, well, let's keep going here. Verse 13, Please say, You are my sister, that it may be well with me, for your sake, and that I may live because, it, because of you. Verse 14, so it was when Abram came into Egypt that the Egyptians saw the woman that she was very beautiful. So we'll stop there for a second. So that's why I went to chapter 20, because it talks about um, the sister relationship or the half-sister relationship. And in that culture, uh, even though one parent was the same between the two of them, it was okay to take on a wife or a husband from a different mother or different father. But still, if, you, if we look at this, it's seeming as if Abram is trying to save his skin. And, and it's, it's a lapse in judgment, really, because if God was his head and Abram was following um, everything the Lord had been telling him and teaching him, to honor the Lord, he would have honored his relationship with his um, wife, Sarai, to the extent that he wouldn't have even had this thought. But for some reason, instead of focusing on the Lord and lifting up his eyes to the Lord, praying to the Lord, asking for the Lord's wisdom and guidance, it seems as if Abram just made this choice all on his own to decide, well, you'll tell them that you're my sister, and then I'll, I'll be saved and you'll be saved. So to me that's interesting and I can't help but giggle a little bit because I think that in the world we live in today, there are so many things that are being twisted and being manipulated and that's something that uh, it, it struck me as Abram is kind of manipulating their relationship even though they're husband and wife, they are half brother and half sister and he's just manipulating that for his own good rather than waiting on the Lord. And I know I personally do that. I get impatient. I want to see results. I want to know, Lord, what are you doing? But at the same time, it's okay to move forward. And I think at times, though, I'm getting ahead of him. I wind up not praying about things, maybe taking a pause, 
and trying to do things within my own strength instead of waiting on him and and exercising patience which is important in our relationship with the Lord. He does want to help us learn about ourselves and learn about others and especially help us learn about him. Um, And sometimes it takes time to learn that nugget or that lesson in our personal lives. So being patient is often the best course of action and taking a pause is often the best course of action rather than trying to bowl through like a bull in a china shop and hoping and praying after the fact that what we just did is actually the best thing to have done. So verse 15, the princes of Pharaoh also saw her and commended her, which means like hailed her for praise or praised her to Pharaoh. So they immediately told the Pharaoh that there was a beautiful woman coming into the city, and the woman was taken to Pharaoh's house. He treated Abram well for her sake. He had sheep, oxen, male donkeys, male and female servants, female donkeys, and camels. But the Lord plagued Pharaoh and his house with great plagues because of Sarai, Abram's wife. And Pharaoh called Abram and said, What is this you have done to me? Why did you not tell me that she was your wife? Why did you say she is my sister? I might have taken her as my wife. Now, therefore, here is your wife. Take her and go your way. So, again, as in chapter 20, which is interesting, that occurred after this incident. (laughs) So, Abram starts off, like, with a bang with this Like, you're going to be my sister. We're going to kind of play this little game as we go through um, the land. And thankfully, the Lord at each step is intervening because he has a plan. And no matter what, his plan is going to come to fruition. So, uh, verse 20. So Pharaoh commanded his men concerning him, and they sent him away with his wife and all that he had. So that's the end of chapter 20. Interest, or I mean chapter 12, sorry. Uh, interesting that just throughout all this, um, in spite of Abram's shortcomings and his attempts to kind of control and do things his own way, the Lord stepped in. And in personal experiences, I bet each one of us could look back at certain things in our lives and see that, you know, there could have been a totally different outcome, but um, for whatever reason, things turned out the way they did. And if they worked out in a way that we're still living and breathing, I'm still standing here. And I know I've had at least one near-death experience where I almost drowned in a pool as a young kid. And... I often wonder, okay, Lord, so that didn't happen, and I'm still living here. Why? Well, 40 years later or 30 years later, I got saved, and I can praise the Lord now. Uh, There are still times where I don't want to praise him, but I know that he's done right by me in many, many ways that I cannot deny, whereas before being saved, 
that near-death experience, what did it mean? It really didn't have as deep a meaning as it does now. And by his grace, I can speak his name. By his spirit, I know I'm saved. I know that Jesus has died for me. And I can tell people that. And it's kind of challenging, though, at times, because sometimes we're in the company of people that are very tough, and maybe they have a hard heart. And that's the time where the Lord may be teaching us to wait and wait for an opportunity, listen, keep our eyes and ears open rather than speaking. Um, so, again, it's a journey, and as we see here, Abram is going through a journey, and he's on his way to the land where God wants him to be, where God is planning for the nation of Israel to be born, but there are steps all along the way, and that's where we're at. We're on a journey. We're in this certain position right now. We're not destined to stay where we're at. There's always hope to go to a different place, to be around different people. Um, the key is to have faith that God isn't going to keep us where we're at. He's definitely willing to expand us and stretch us and grow us and to show him more of himself. Let's um, go to one of my favorite Proverbs, Proverbs 3, and we'll go to Proverbs 4 too to talk about the wisdom of the Lord and like the contrast between ourselves and our heart versus the Lord and his wisdom. So Proverbs 3, verse 1, and this is uh, written by Solomon, David's son. So verse 1, my son, do not forget my law, but let your heart keep my commands. For length of days and long life and peace they will add to you. Let not mercy and truth forsake you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart and so find favor and high esteem in the sight of God and man. And how I see this relating to Abram is he was more concerned with what the appearance of his appearance was going to be in front of man, in front of the Egyptians, not what God was seeing him as a believer, you know, as a righteous man. He sort of put that, Abram put that aside and was more concerned with what man was thinking at that time. So Proverbs 3, verse 5. So trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he shall direct your paths. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. It will be health to your flesh and strength to your bones. Honor the Lord with your possessions and with the first fruits of all your increase so your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. My son, do not despise the chastening of the Lord, nor detest his correction. For whom the Lord loves, he corrects, just as a father, the son in whom he delights. Happy is the man who finds wisdom, and the man who gains understanding. For her proceeds are better than the profits of silver, and her gain than fine gold. She is more precious than rubies, and all the things you may desire cannot compare with her. 
length of days is in her right hand, in her left hand riches and honor. Her ways are ways of pleasantness, and all her paths are peace. And I wanted to stop here for a minute. You notice the feminine um, article here. To me, it sort of speaks to the Adam and Eve relationship. Adam needed a helper. Eve was his helper. We, as people, need a helper. Um, as a man, I see this in this way, that wisdom in the feminine article is my helper. That if I gain wisdom, if I gain my helper, then I'm, I'm positioned in a better place. And again, you can reverse this and we or we can interchange some of these words you could put jesus in here as wisdom you could put jesus as instead of the article her and she like jesus is more precious than rubies and all the things you desire cannot compare with jesus as one of our worship songs tonight said you know we want more of you jesus and but I question myself, do I? How much do I really want of Jesus? It can be daunting at times because the folks we associate with in the world and our jobs, if they don't believe, then there's mocking, ridicule, you know, silly Christian, what, you know, that's your crutch, whatever. Well, God knows all that already and he knows who will come into our path and perhaps challenge our faith. But if we look at it, isn't a challenge to our faith actually a means to strengthen our faith? I believe it is. And that's what the Lord wants us to go through, exactly what he went through. He went through those ridicules, those mockers, those people that doubted him. Um, he was challenged by the Pharisees that like challenged his innate wisdom. He was the author. He's the author of this. And yet they were challenging him, using the words to challenge him when their hearts were hard and they, they were liars. And they were kind of play, playing with um, spirituality. So... Verse 16, length of days is in her right hand and in her left hand riches and honor. Her ways are ways of pleasantness and all her paths are peace. She is a tree of life to those who take hold of her and happy are all who retain her. The Lord by wisdom founded the earth. By understanding he established the heavens. By his knowledge the depths were broken up and clouds dropped down the dew. My son, let them not depart from your eyes. Keep sound wisdom and discretion so they will be life to your soul and grace to your neck. Then you will walk safely in your way and your foot will not stumble. When you lie down, you will not be afraid. Yes, you will lie down and your sleep will be sweet. Do not be afraid of sudden terror nor of trouble from the wicked when it comes. And again, I'm seeing Abram here. He's like, wow, I'm entering this town, this city. These are all unbelievers. They don't, they don't have God in their lives. And I, I can relate to that. Standing up here can be kind of fearful. Although, you know, it can be a little nerve-wracking because my heart wants to do right by God. 
I want to honor God by what I say. I don't want my opinions to come out. And he's showing me that that's important. And it's a challenge uh, because I have these ingrained opinions about things. I have thoughts about things. And I would assume all the rest of the pastors and elders go through the same thing. But God, but God, his word is true. His word is faithful. His word is like the last word, right? And even if I stand here and I, I, I just read this, someone, even myself, is going to get something out of some of these words every time they're mentioned because that's his plan. He wants us to be drawn to him every time the word is spoken. He wants us to know more about him every time the word is spoken. So, verse 25, oh, yeah. Do not be afraid of sudden terror nor of trouble from the wicked when it comes. For the Lord will be your confidence and will keep your foot from being caught. And that's it. It's like, but just like Abram, we're human and we're going to have doubts, fear, uh, lapses in our trust of the, of the Lord and his promises, but... He's still an awesome God. He still reigns. He's on the throne. And all we need to do is recognize that we have shortcomings to humble ourselves, to understand that we can come to him in prayer and, and ask for forgiveness. And he even forgives things that we haven't recognized on our own um, to be uh, a shortcoming too. He's that good. He's that big. Um, let's go to um, Proverbs 4, start at verse 10. So Proverbs 4, verse 10. Hear, my son, and receive my sayings, and the years of your life will be many. I have taught you in the way of wisdom. I, had, I have led you in the right paths. When you walk, your steps will not be hindered, and when you run, you will not stumble. Take firm hold of instruction. Do not let go. Keep her, for she is your life. And as Eve was precious to Adam, you know, the joke is when he saw Eve, he, he exclaimed, Whoa, man. And that's where the word woman comes from. So I, that's not new. How come you guys are laughing? That's funny, though. Thanks. Um, <laughs> So verse 14, do not enter the path of the wicked and do not walk in the way of evil. Avoid it. Do not travel on it. Turn away from it and pass on for they do not sleep unless they have done evil. And that means the evil ones. And their sleep is taken away unless they make someone fall. So it's like, you know, evil folks are always devising schemes on how to make people fall. And that's not what the Lord wants. The Lord isn't in the business of making us stumble. He actually wants to grab us with his hand and lead us by the hand every step of the way. Verse 17, For they eat the bread of wickedness and drink the wine of violence, but the path of the just is like a shining sun that shines ever brighter unto the perfect day. And... My correlation to Abram is that's exactly what the Lord wanted Abram to do. 
was to just come out with the truth. Yes, this is my wife. And truth or consequences. Okay, speak the truth. God will take care of the consequences. That's something, in fact, I just remembered. Um, I used to watch, and I still do read, a lot of Charles Stanley's teachings, and that was his moniker, you know, trust God, obey God, and leave all the consequences to him. And that's exactly right, because God will take care of us. With, with our exercising faith, he will take care of us. So, verse 19, the way of the wicked is like darkness. They do not know what makes them stumble. My son, give attention to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Do not let them depart from your eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart, for they are life to those who find them and health to all their flesh. Keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it springs the issues of life. And that likens back to... Um, I think it was Luke 6.45, right? So, verse 24, Put away from you a deceitful mouth and put perverse lips far from you. Let your eyes look straight ahead and your eyelids look right before you. Ponder the path of your feet and let all your ways be established. Do not turn to the right or the left. Remove your foot from evil. So, the Bible has... A lot to say about Abraham. Um, in the time we have left, let's take a look at some of the other uh, passages that refer to Abraham. Let's go to Romans 4. So basically, God was entrusting Abraham to be obedient enough to fulfill uh, the promise and the covenant that God entered into with Abraham. So, yeah, if we go to Romans 4. So, verse 1. Oh, and this is subtitled, Abraham Justified by Faith. And as um, offspring, I mean many, many, many generations afterwards, the, you know, of Adam and Eve we are still grafted in because of our belief and our faith in Jesus. We're grafted into the same family as Abraham. So all the promises that God gave to Abraham still apply to us too. So chapter 4, Romans, verse 1. What then shall we say that Abraham our father has found according to the flesh? For if Abraham was justified by works, he has something to boast about, but not before God. For what does the scripture say? Abraham believed God, and it was accounted to him for righteousness. Now, to him who works, the wages are not counted as grace, but as debt. But to him who does not work, but believes on him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is accounted for righteousness. Just as David also describes the blessedness of the man to whom God imputes righteousness apart from works by saying, Blessed are those whose lawless deeds are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord shall not impute sin. And verse 9, 
Does this blessedness then come upon the circumcised only or upon the uncircumcised also? For we say that faith was accounted, which also means reckoned, reconciled, to Abraham for righteousness. How then was it accounted? While he was circumcised or uncircumcised? Not while circumcised, but, but while uncircumcised. And he received the sign of circumcision, a seal of the righteousness of the faith which he had while still uncircumcised, that he might be the father of all those who believe. Though they are uncircumcised, that's, that righteousness might be imputed to them also. And the father of circumcision to those who not only are of the circumcision, but who also walk in the steps of faith which our father Abraham had while still uncircumcised. So verse 13, here comes the promise. For the promise that he would be the heir of the world was not to Abraham or to his seed through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. So Abraham was the physical vessel, but the spiritual side of this is the faith, the faith and believing that God wouldn't, renege or wouldn't cancel his promise. So verse 14, for if those who are of the law are heirs, faith is made void and the promise made of no effect because the law brings about wrath for where there is no law, there is no transgression. Verse 16, therefore it is of faith that it might be according to grace so that the promise might be sure to all the seed not only to those who are of the law, but also to those who are of faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. As it is written, I have made you a father of many nations. In the presence of him whom he believed, God, who gives life to the dead and calls those things which do not exist as though they did, who, contrary to hope in hope, see, it's not hope in hope, we hope in Jesus who contrary to hope in hope believed so that he became the father of many nations according to what was spoken, so shall your descendants be. And not being weak in faith, he did not consider his own body already dead since he was about a 100 years old and the deadness of Sarah's womb, which we'll get to in the next chapter the next time. Verse 20, he did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God. And that's what happened. So as well, I'm getting ahead of myself a little bit, but in the subsequent chapters after chapter 12, Abram and Sarai still keep walking. They're going to the land that God promised, but in the meantime, they're wondering, aren't we going to have a family and kids? How can God possibly give us what he's saying, this huge multitude, this nation, if we don't have any kids, and that we'll get to. But it, again, is just little steps of faith all along the way, and God is trying to strengthen their faith as they walk. So he did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God, and being fully convinced that what he had promised, he was also able to perform. And therefore, it was accounted to him for righteousness. Now, it was not written for his sake alone that it was imputed to him, but also for us. It shall be imputed to us who believe in him, who raised up Jesus, our Lord, from the dead, who was delivered up because of our, 
offenses and was raised because of our justification. So that's it. Faith in Jesus. Faith in him to cover everything that we've ever done wrong in the past, what we're going to do wrong today, tomorrow, and forever. And it, you know, trusting in his blood that covers us and makes us white as snow. Uh, let's flip over a couple books and go to Galatians. Galatians chapter 3. This is subtitled Justification by Faith. And this is Paul writing to the Galatians. So Galatians 3, verse 1. O foolish Galatians, who, was, who has bewitched you that you should not obey the truth before whose eyes Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed among you as crucified? This only I want to learn from you. Did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or by the hearing of faith? Are you so foolish, having begun in the Spirit, are you now being made perfect by the flesh? And again, we can't. Our flesh is wicked. Who can know it? We cannot make our own way to salvation and righteousness. It's only through Jesus. Verse 4, have you suffered so many things in vain, if indeed it was in vain? Therefore, he who supplies the Spirit to you and works miracles among you, does he do it by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? Just as Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness. Therefore, know that only those who are of faith are sons of Abraham. And the scripture foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith preached the gospel to Abraham beforehand, saying, In you all the nations shall be blessed. So then those who are of faith are blessed with believing Abraham. So verse 10. For as many as are of the works of the law are under the curse. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who does not continue in all things which are written in the book of the law to do them but that no one is justified by the law in the sight of God is evident for the just shall live by faith. And again, that's what it all boils down to is our faith and the object of our faith, which should be Jesus. And Pastor Rob this morning talked about idols and things that take up our time. Um, they, they, they actually work into our heart. We want to protect them. Uh, I don't do Gollum like Pastor Rob does, so I'm not going to do that. But um, he uh, he described that, you know, and we do. We keep places in our heart secret, don't we? But they're only secret to our family and our friends and the people that are around us. They're not secret to God. He knows everything. So it's better to speak to him directly and talk to him about things that we're maybe holding dear in our heart and ask him to help us examine why are these things so dear to us versus the time and the relationship developing with him which should be more of prominence in our heart let's go to hebrews 11 Verse 8. 
So I kind of chuckled because verse 8 is subtitled, Faithful Abraham. Okay, as Abram, well, Abram was trying to save himself and kind of told a half-truth about his relationship with Sarai, but Abraham being transformed and justified is now faithful. So Hebrews 11, verse 8. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to the place which he would receive as an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. By faith, he dwelt in the land of promise as in a foreign country, dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob. And we'll get, those are his sons. We'll get to that in subsequent chapters. Dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. For he waited for the city, which has foundations, whose builder and maker is God. By faith, Sarah herself also received strength to conceive seed, and she bore a child when she was past the age, because she judged him faithful who had promised. So in other words, she put her faith in Jesus. They had seen Jesus. He came to them again to um, talk about or, or to give them the news that they would have a child. And we'll get to that in subsequent chapters. Verse 12, Therefore from one man and him as good as dead were born as many as the stars of the sky in multitude, innumerable as the sand, which is by the seashore. So verse 13, the heavenly hope. These all died in faith, not having received these, meaning all the rest, Noah, Moses, um, in chapter 11 here. These all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off, were assured of them, embraced them, and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. For those who say such things declare plainly that they seek a homeland. And truly, if they had called to mind that country from which they had come out, they would have had opportunity to return. Verse 16 but now they desire a better, that is, a heavenly country. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. And that's why I let off with uh, Jesus' words, um, I go to prepare a place for you. In my Father's house are many mansions, because it's true. We have to believe, that's all, just believe that, God's promises, he is not going to renege on them. He's not going to leave us orphans here. He's preparing a place for us right now. The challenge is to be patient, to honor and praise him, knowing what he's done for us in the past. We're all living, we're all breathing, probably had supper before we came here. We have a car to drive, a roof over our head, clothes on our backs right? And he's the author and the finisher of our faith, the Alpha and Omega, the beginning from the end. He's our everlasting Prince of Peace, ultimate Father. He loves us dearly and wants nothing more than for us to just come into a closer relationship with him as we take this walk of faith along this journey um, 
And as the proverb says, don't turn to the left, don't turn to the right. Keep our eyes on Jesus and focus on him. So that was it for tonight. Um, we can pray, and if Sarah wanted to come up and give a song, maybe you'd like to stay and just worship the Lord in song once more before we go tonight. So let's pray. Father, thank you again so much for your word, Lord. Um, it's like packed with so much, and we've only just scratched the surface here tonight, Lord. We just thank you that each time we read your word, Lord, you might show us a new little nugget of your goodness, your grace, your mercy, your love. Thank you, Lord, that you know every cell, every fiber, every muscle, every, every part of our being, Lord. And you've designed us for a purpose, primarily, primarily to love you, to worship you, and to go out in this world that you've provided for us, right, in, uh, right outside the very doorstep from here, Lord, is that world. We don't have to go far. It's right here. Pray that you would help us walk in faith, not fear. Pray for wisdom and understanding. And as it is written, to be everything to everyone, meaning to meet people where they're at. Help us to understand in talking with people, Lord, where they're at, what they might be worried about, what their cares might be. And then, Lord, help help us continue to uh, give an answer, Lord, for the faith that we have in you to share that with others, Lord, to bring encouragement, to show your love, and to show your light to them. Pray, Lord, that you give us safe traveling mercies going home. Um, pray, Lord, for anyone online, Lord, that um, may have questions or doubts about you, Lord, that... Uh, they would be prompted to call in, Lord. We, we do thank you, Lord, that um, no question is too great for you, Lord. No doubt is so severe, Lord, that you shut your doors. You don't. You keep your arms wide open, your hands outstretched to us. Uh, your heart is always open, Lord, to, to just receive us. We thank you. You give us so many gifts innumerable and beyond our comprehension we just pray lord that we'd continue to recognize you in everything we do and say we love you lord and it's in jesus name we pray amen